And we're going to read a lengthy passage of scripture, though I have uh, edited some for you here this morning because it's a long chapter, but it's, uh, it's, it's a great one. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he sped on the ground, made some mud with his saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seen. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened, they asked. He replied, The man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man? They asked him. I don't know, he said. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he is a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son? They asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? We know he is our son, the parents answered. And we know he was born blind. But how he can see now, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, He is of age, ask him. A second time, they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. 
Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, What? Are we blind too? Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the life and the power that is in your word. I thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit in this place. And I pray that you would help us to have ears to hear and hearts to understand and that we would receive what you want to say to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You guys are the best public readers of Scripture. I mean, seriously. Uh, you know, I mean, I've, I've been a bunch of places where there, the reason why I do this, I mean, there's a couple of reasons why I do it. I do it because Paul wrote to Timothy and said, don't forsake the public reading of scripture. And, and if I just read to you, I figure there, it's easy to zone out. Um, and so, you know, we do this and, and you guys are really good and you're good looking too. Uh, <laughs> would you, would you uh, just turn to somebody next to you and go, man, you look good today. Yeah. Now, aren't you glad that you can see? Jesus' disciples ask him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? I think about that question for just a minute. Half of it kind of makes sense. But really, he sinned so he was born blind? When? Yeah, Some, sometimes, sometimes our questions aren't too bright. Our assumptions aren't too bright. In fact, often our assumptions aren't very bright. There's a, there, there is a game. Well, Jesus, first of all, replied, so neither this man nor his parents sinned. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. But there's a, there's a game that parents and children used to play. Maybe they still play it. I don't know. It's called Because Why? <laughs> and it'd, it'd be very simple. The parent would say something and the child would say, why? And the parent would say, because. And the child would say, why? Why? Because. Because. Why? Yeah. There we go. At least that. Is that. So they just keep saying why? Is that what they do now? You got a shorter attention span than we had. We, we use longer sentences back in the day. Uh, of course, I, I, I fear that sometimes the way it goes these days is a parent says something and a child says, why? And a parent goes, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, just, just, yeah. <laughs> okay. If you felt like that was directed at you, then it probably was because I, I wasn't directing it at anybody. And so that's, that's, that's the Holy Spirit talking to you. Um, but I, I'm, not, I'm not mad at you and you're not mad at me. Um, 
Sometimes, we have this, but we speculate about why stuff happened. Sometimes it's turned outward, sometimes it's turned inward. We're not superstitious, but if it hasn't rained in a long time, we go out and wash our car to make it rain. People used to do dances for that. We wash our cars for that. We don't take things personally. But do you know why the city of Smyrna will not synchronize the red lights out here on Sam Ridley Parkway so that traffic will move safely and quicker? It's because I drive on that road. If I didn't drive on that road, they'd do it in a heartbeat. But because it's my road. You know why? You know why that happened to them? Do you, you know why he died? Do you, do you know why she got sick? Do you, do you know why they're having? You know why they're having money problems? No, I don't. Well, let me tell you why. I'm not going to spend much time here because, quite frankly, it's not a big issue here. But that's also known as gossip. And just two quick verses: Proverbs sixteen twenty-eight. A perverse person stirs up conflict. And a gossip separates close friends. That's a laudable ambition, isn't it? Proverbs 26, 20. Without wood, a fire goes out. Without gossip, a quarrel dies down. And blessed are the peacemakers. For they will be called children of God. Um, I love this church. (laughs) I am so proud of this place i love it when when people that i know who've never been here before come because and 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 i i'll just have to say as a christian who attended church most of my life except for the part of my life where i didn't want to be a christian um i haven't always felt that way but i do feel that way about this church i love for people to come here and see how you worship i love for people to come here and see how you receive people and it doesn't matter if they're if they're different or if they're like you in fact if it helps if they're different here because that's kind of our persona that we have and I, I love that but one of the things that I really love about it that you don't get to see in a service but that I've known and seen over the years is you you just you can't hardly get a rumor started in this church Thank you. We've had people leave because they got so frustrated because they couldn't get rumors started. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not going to mention any names, Uh, but just say it. But that's that's, that's wonderful. Mm. But still, we speculate. Oh, how we speculate. And especially when we are looking at ourselves, but even when we're looking at others and when we when we indulge speculation about our lives or, or about others, we're almost always wrong. Jesus was invited to a, a Pharisee's house, a man named Simon. And when he went to the house uh, to eat, he was reclining at table and a woman came in and she began to, she, she poured perfume on Jesus' feet. She began to weep and uh, she wept so profusely that she washed his feet with her tears and, and, and dried his feet with her hair. And, and Simon began to speculate. And he said, if this man were really a prophet, he'd know what kind of woman that was. And he wouldn't let her touch him. 
Jesus was really a prophet. <laughs> In fact, he was more than a prophet, but he, he was really a prophet. So he read Simon's mail for him. And he said, Simon, <clears throat> I have a question for you. There was a man who was owed uh, money by two, two different debtors, and one of them owed him five bucks, and one of them owed him 500 bucks, and he forgave both of them. Which one do you think probably appreciated that the most, loved him the most for forgiving it? And Simon said, well, I suppose it's the one who had $500 forgiven. You supposed right, Simon. Yeah. Yeah. I came into your house you didn't give me any water to wash my feet. This woman has washed my feet with her tears. I came into your house. You didn't kiss me. This woman has not stopped kissing my feet from the time she came in. I came into your house. You didn't give me any oil from my head. This woman has poured perfume on my feet. And I tell you, because she loved much, her sins, though they are many, are forgiven and then he looked at her and said woman your sins are forgiven and whoa I mean who is this man who's this man speaks the way no one else ever spoke he not only accepts worship he goes around forgiving sins and the people of that day understood what that meant this guy thought he was God because he was and when he hung on the cross Prophet Isaiah says that we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. We wouldn't have thought that. I mean, we certainly would. Yes, we would have. People are people. We don't, we don't think that from our perspective. But if we had been walking around with him, we'd have gone, man, yeah, well, you see, I thought he was pretty good, but obviously he's not. I mean, look what happened to him. That only happens to bad people. And we know that because... He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed, and that's why he was hanging on that cross. And so, let me just close out this section by saying there are a lot of questions that are beyond our understanding. There are a lot of things that happen in life that, that we don't know why they happen, and that's okay. Because I'm getting ready to say something really important here. I just want to give you a heads up. Uh, and so I'm going to put it up on the screen with no fanfare, just very simple. God doesn't have to explain himself to us. He doesn't owe anybody an explanation. Nobody can call him to account for what he has done or for what his decisions are. And sometimes, sometimes it can't be explained to us because we don't have the right frame of reference. And sometimes if we have the right frame of reference, but if he explained it to us, we'd be worse off. Because we're better off going, well, why is this happening to me than to know, well, it's happening to you because it's going to make things better for them. Oh, why do you love them more than you love me? He doesn't owe us an explanation. But in this case, Jesus gave one. 
This happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. And Jesus uh, performed a miracle on him. And he did, it in an, he did it in an unusual way. And there's no formula, as I've told you many times. Sometimes he touched them. Sometimes they touched him. Sometimes he sought them out. Sometimes they sought him out. Sometimes uh, he sent his word. And, and once he made mud and put it in the guy's eye. Said, go wash. You'll be made, you'll be made whole. And so he did, uh, the man was healed, and when he came back, had some pretty interesting reactions, because I suspect he probably grew up in this town. I mean, uh, people didn't tend to travel a long way from their home in those days, and especially people who were blind their entire lives didn't tend to travel a long way from their homes. But, but when he came back, people are going, do you think that's him? Oh, no, I can't be him, because he's blind. That's just somebody who looks like him. And the guy finally said, yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I am him. Uh, and they still were skeptical. I, I love when the Pharisees called his parents in and say, is this your son that you say was born blind? I mean, that's like, yeah. Um, people have always been skeptical. It wasn't just after we discovered science and got smart. The... Uh, that was sarcasm. Um, the ratio of really skeptical people and really gullible people probably hasn't changed much in the history of the world. It's probably always been pretty much the same. And, and, and they were skeptical, and so they called the Pharisees in, when in doubt, called in the Pharisees. And the Pharisees believed in miracles. However, Jesus did this on a day that didn't fit their doctrine. And it clearly trumped this man's healing. They, they cared more about being right than uh, about the well-being of their fellow man. And that may sound familiar because I tend to say that about every few weeks or so. That, it's, that we tend to care more about being right than we do about somebody else's condition and somebody else's welfare. But the reason I continue to say it every few weeks or so is because we forget it. It leaks out so quickly. That desire to be right is so strongly ingrained in us. And, and I'll get to that in a minute. How can a sinner perform such signs? I mean, once they finally decided, okay, the guy, this is the guy. He was born blind. He was healed, but it did happen on the Sabbath. So this guy's obviously a sinner. And how can a sinner perform such signs? And, and they were of two minds about Jesus. And that's a legit question. That is a legitimate question because... Uh, especially as we get closer to the return of the Lord, as we get closer to the end of time, the Bible makes it very clear. There's going to be a lot of signs that will come, and a, and a lot of them will not be signs from God. They'll be signs to draw people away from God. And so that's a, that's a legitimate question to ask. Uh, and I, let me give you one clue that is, that is hidden in this passage here. It's not really hidden. It's hidden in plain sight. But let me, let me give you one clue here. I'm, I'm sure there, there are other things. I mean, one of the things I could say is you need to really know the Word of God. But, you know, that's not something you can do like right now. But let me give you a clue that you can use right now. Jesus healed this man. And the people came to him and said, how did this happen? Well, the man named Jesus did this for me. And where is he? I don't know. 
Jesus healed this man and immediately vacated the spotlight. Because it wasn't, he didn't do this so that people would go, ooh, look at him. And a lot of times, over in Acts chapter, in Acts chapter 8, uh, Philip went to preach in Samaria. And there was a guy in Samaria named uh, Simon who was doing miracles. Um, Simon the sorcerer, but it means he was, he was doing miracles and practiced sorcery in the city. And he amazed the people. And the scripture says he boasted that he was someone great. When someone is, is, is seeking the spotlight, you know, when somebody, when mi- miracles happen and, and somebody's kind of camp, we'll say, well, you know, you want some more, just come to me. Or help me get the word out because we got it right here. That's a red flag. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, that, that it's always, I mean, it might just be somebody who's, who's well-meaning and, and hasn't matured yet or whatever because God doesn't need maturity to do a miracle all he needs is somebody to have faith but I'm just saying it's a red flag it's a red flag because Jesus did not operate that way Jesus said over in in John chapter 8 verse 50 he said I'm not seeking glory for myself there's one who seeks it he is the judge later on he went on to say if I glorify myself my glory means nothing my Father, whom you claim is your God, is the one who glorifies me. And, and that's, that's something to look for. If somebody's, if somebody's trying to promote them, big red flag. But if somebody's waiting back and saying, okay, you know, let, let God do the promotion. Let God give his seal of approval. Let, let him be the one to do that. That's how Jesus operated. Well, let's cut to the chase. Because the most important line in this entire chapter of 41 verses is this. I was blind, but now I see. Whether he's a prophet or not, I don't know. Whether or not it's okay to heal on the Sabbath, I don't know. All I know is this. I used to be blind, and now I can see. Questions of theology and power and gossip and social standing and and politics and all that aside, the powerful, indisputable fact remained this one who was born blind could see right now. What a thing. Okay, some thoughts about that, some observations about that. And the first one is this. We're all born blind. Romans 5, 12 Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. And Romans 3, 23, 26, which one is it, Rodney? Uh, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? 23. Yeah, I was right the first time. Uh, uh, Romans uh, 3, 23. Though we all have different things uh, uh, to different degrees to deal with, you don't have to teach a child to be selfish. You don't have to teach a child to, uh, to lie. You don't have to teach a child to rebel. You don't have to teach a child to envy. You don't have to teach a child to lust. You don't have to teach a child to covet. You don't have to teach a child to fear. And I hit you with at least one of those. 
Because you might have gone through several of them and gone, no, not my problem, not my problem. Oh, ooh, he didn't say that, did he? Not my problem, you know. But nobody taught you to do any of those things. They just come naturally because they're hardwired inside of us because we're all born blind. We're all, we're all born fitted for a fallen world. That, that's not the way that God wanted it to be, but that was our choice. And because of this, no matter what metaphor you use, blindness or bondage or whatever, the result is we're, we're here. We're here and we're stuck here, but there's something, in, there's something inside of us because we were created in God's image. Genesis 1.27 tells us we were created in God's image, which means not only that we were initially created with intelligence and created with the ability to create and, 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 and created with free will and created with an immortal soul. It means that, that initially when we were created, we were, made, we were created holy and pure and clean and innocent. Fitted not for a fallen world, but, but fitted for life with God. And that's what we lost. That, that's what we lost when the, when the fall happened. We, we have been created pure and without blemish. And because of that, it says over in Ecclesiastes 3.11, he's made everything beautiful in its time. He's also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning, though we speculate. But he's put eternity in the human heart. So we've got this, we've got this dual thing going on. We, we, we've got, we've got this, this fallenness, this blindness, this bondage in our lives. And yet, we've also got this thing inside of us that goes, there's something better. I was created for something better than this. Every, every one of us come to places in our lives, and some people live there, where there's, there's just this something inside that you go, I want Something. I, I don't know what it is. I can't see it. I can't touch it. But I want something. And, and that's, the condi- that's the human condition. When Jesus came to the man, after the Pharisees put him out, he didn't come to him and say, hey, how you doing? How are those eyes? They still doing Okay. How many fingers am I holding up? He didn't say, hey, how'd it go with the Pharisees? I suspect that's pretty rough, but tell me about it. You want to talk about it? How'd that go? Now, he didn't say any of that. He came and and he cut right to the real miracle of this chapter. Do you believe in the Son of Man? That was what he had to say to him. Because you see, the, the, real, the real miracle in this chapter wasn't about his natural eyes. I mean, we've only got those for a few short years anyway. And yes, they're a great blessing. There are wonderful things to see out there. There's also stuff to see out there that you wish you hadn't seen. You know, so I mean, it's a mixed blessing when you get right down to it. But that wasn't what this was about. This was about lifting the veil of eternity. This was, this was about 
This was about the scales falling from his spiritual eyes. So that when Jesus came along and said, do you believe in the Son of Man? His response was different from what it would have been. Because this particular man, I don't know why God did it this way or why he was wired this way or why he doesn't do this with everybody. But this particular man's path was one such that I suspect if he had had his natural sight from the very beginning, he would have just been one of the, one of the yahoos walking around the village going, you know, Jesus, he looks pretty cool, but the Pharisees don't believe in him. Nah, that, that can't be. But because of what happened to him, when Jesus came to him at this moment in life and said, do you believe in the son of man? The guy immediately responded, who is he, sir? Tell me so that I may believe in him. And Jesus said, and I love that he said, you're looking at him. Because the day before, he couldn't have done that. In fact, he's the one talking to you. And the man fell at his feet. said, I believe. And he began to worship him. And we know that God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever would do that, whoever believes on him, would not perish but have everlasting life. The veil begins to get thin. You, be, you begin to begin to see, to see what's out there. Jesus said over in John chapter 5, I tell you the truth, whoever, whoever hears my word and believes in the one who sent me has eternal life. He'll not be judged. He's crossed over from death into life. And Paul put it this way over in, in Colossians. Well, he put it this way over in Colossians 1, 13. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. And brought us into the kingdom of the son that he loves. And whom we have redemption. Forgiveness of sin. And maybe we only see through a glass darkly now. But at least we know where the glass is. At least we, at least we see there's an image on the other side of it somewhere. I was blind but now I see. So were these folks. And if I had pictures of all of you, I'd probably, you know, that love actually thing where the pictures get smaller and, 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 the, and the people just, okay, you didn't see the movie. Uh, but, but I put all of you up there. <laughs> because one thing that these people up here all have in common is they were all blind. But now they can see. Occasionally, you'll hear somebody say, who's just won something. They've won a, uh, an Oscar or a Grammy, or maybe they just won the Super Bowl. Occasionally, you hear them say, no one can ever take this away. Which, unless what they just won was the Tour de France, is probably true. But, even if it is an Oscar or a Super Bowl trophy or something, I mean, it'll be a pile of dust someday. So, I mean, it's, but I, but I get it. It's okay. I cut on some slack. You know, they're feeling emotional at the moment. I'm not going to go into arguments about losing your salvation and eternal security and stuff like that. That's not what this sermon's about, and I don't really know the answers. I just know Jesus Christ saved me, and, and I'm 
and I want to pursue him. That's, that's what I know. That's, that's how that works. But I know that I was blind. I know that I was absolutely blind. I know that I was headed full speed toward death and, and at the end of a meaningless life. And then I met Jesus. And it all got changed and turned around. I know I was, I was wretched and I was growing more wretched every, every year. And it was becoming clear that, that, that the world could not scratch where I itched. It was becoming very clear that there was no one that I knew out there who could touch me at the place inside of me where I was isolated. And then I met Jesus. And that all changed. I know that that I was bound by fears and, and prejudices and, and emotions and desires and, and they had me by the throat and would just take me wherever they wanted me to go. And then I met Jesus and, and he set me free. We get so accustomed to the fact that we're saved that we tend to forget about what that means. What actually happened? What actually took place? We were blind. But now we can see. Kurt, what year did you come here? 2008. 2008? Six years ago? Seven years ago. Could you possibly imagine? Could you possibly imagine? Step and say, go, weeky, 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 weeky. <laughs> Seth, I remember when you came here. You were a mess. Look what God has done with you. Brad. What I'm saying is... Robert, you wanted to take Josh to to Hooters. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Oh, let that, let that wonder reawaken inside of you. Your testimony is powerful, and no one can take it away from you but you. He, he lifted me out of the miry clay. I mean, he lifted me out of, a, of a, the trash dump of life and set my feet on a solid rock, put a new song in my mouth. A song of praise to my God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord if I'll just open my mouth and sing it. Let it come out. He made me fit for heaven. He clothed me in righteousness. How? My goodness. I I remember about five years after I came to the Lord, I was riding down the road and I was thinking about that passage where it says that, the, that the, he's given us the Holy Spirit as a deposit, as a down payment for the glory that awaits us. And I got excited because I realized what I had been five years before and where I was now. I went, that's impossible. Wait a minute. No, that's the deposit. That's the down payment. There's a, there's a whole lot more. Coming behind this. 
Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Something beyond anything we can possibly imagine. Have you ever wondered how God's going to sort things out when he gets here? You know, we tend to think, and, and, and to some degrees, I, I, I mean, I think these images are, are possibly true. You know, that he's just going to take his belt off and go, okay, kids, you're going to get sorted out. But I'm not so sure that that's exactly the way that's going to happen. I think it's going to be something so totally other, so totally different from anything that we know now. Whew. I got five grandkids. One of them was born last March. Last February, he had no idea what was awaiting him. There was no way he could comprehend what was on the other side of that birth canal. And it's where we live right now, but you know what? There's no way we can comprehend what's on the other side of that birth canal. Because Paul says that this, that this earth is, is groaning with birth pains. Waiting in expectation up on tiptoe for the, for the sons of God to be revealed. The, the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. For God's glory to be revealed in us. And that's, that's, what, that's, what he, that's what he fitted me for. I was blind, but now I can see. He didn't just restore the sight that I had as a child. He restored the sight that I was intended to have before Adam gave it away. That purity. That holiness, what a wondrous thing. And now he has gone to prepare a place for me. And if he goes to prepare a place for me, he says, I'm going to come back and get you and take you to be with me where I am. And that's going to happen. Because I'm holy now. That's a mystery to my wife. And it's surely one to me. But you know what? That is something that no one can take away. You've got a testimony. Don't go after them with theology. Don't go after them arguing about church or how it ought to be done. Just tell them your testimony. I am the man. All I know is I was blind, but now I see. Would you stand with me? No one can refute that. No one can, can put that down. They, don't, they might not believe it, but they can't refute it. And they're hungry for it. But those who are going to pray with people come forward at this, this time. And if you're here... And, and you're, you need something. You need something from God. Redemption. Hope. Direction. He's here for all of it. I mean, our God. Great big God. Our, our kids used to sing, our, My God is so big. So great and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. That's true. So, and He loves you. If you don't know Him, we'd love to introduce you to Him. If you don't need to come, just worship with us. We'll worship for a few moments. But those who need to come, come. It's free. It's free.
the appreciation for where it came from and what he's done. I hope it's been reawakened in you as well. Power in your testimony. Raise your hand. Let me give you a blessing. May the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who sent his Son into the world to give recovery of sight to the blind, freedom to those who are captive, redemption to you. May the wonder of what he has given you be birthed anew in you. And may your testimony be powerful to those around you through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.